There's another one you don't want to hear. Frankly, neither do I. Hello and welcome to episode 57 of the Power Chord Hour podcast. This is your March Rundown and as always this is your host Anthony Merchant here with you with another episode. Thank you so much for checking it out. Been quite a uh, a month I would say for the show. You know, I know we're a couple months into uh, 2021 now, which uh, in itself is crazy. But, you know, we had our little break there and uh, we I think our first episode back was like that like last week of February. And, uh, you know, we kind of kind of took it easy in the beginning right before I uh, took the break. You know, we had uh, we did the unpopular music opinions with uh, Zach and Kyle. And I talked about my favorite albums of 2020. But, uh, you know, fairly, fairly quiet on the guest front. You know, I mean, besides uh, having Zach and Kyle, who I always love having on, you know, kind of started the year fairly uh, quiet and slow. And uh, I think this month was really like our first real, real month at it. You know, I know we missed a, a chunk of January and a chunk of February. And uh, yeah, this one, this one felt like I finally feel like we're we're really back into it. You know, like like really getting back in. Like I wanted to get back and do an episode after our break. You know, just to kind of like check back in and everything. But uh, yeah, th- this month feels like we're actually like legitimately back to doing things. You know, I, I'm regularly on our uh, social media and uh, all that good stuff. I, I do feel like, too, I, I don't know if you follow us, and if you're not, you know, at, at Power Chord Hour, I'll, uh, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and plug shit all night or whenever you're listening to this. But, uh, yeah, I feel like Instagram of all of them, I, I try to post on there the most because I feel like that one's the most fun and I get the best, uh, like, interactions you know, but, uh, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I need to give our Twitter more love. I, I feel like I, uh, sometimes forget about that one. So I need to like get on Twitter more, but, uh, Instagram, you know, I've been, I've been back on there doing a lot. I've been hitting a lot of people up for guests and, uh, and, and it's a good thing too, you know, sometimes, and I don't lie. I've said it on here. There's definitely times where like, I don't know if there's a guest next week or like what I'm doing in terms of that, you know, just just in the sense of like, hey, sometimes I have guests, sometimes I do solo ones. So, you know, I'm not I'm not running around freaking out a lot if I don't have guests because it's like I'll, I'll just do a solo episode like that's cool. And, uh, you know, most of the time I'd rather have a guest. But again, if I have to, I'll uh, I'll do solo and I have fun doing it. I enjoy doing these rundowns uh, every month by myself on here. You know, every now and then we have a little guest, but, uh, you know, I enjoy doing these myself. But anyway, uh, no, lately I've, uh, with guests, I've been a, I've been a couple weeks ahead. We've, we've had a few, I actually have one, uh, that I just did in studio again, first time in since last July. And uh, actually with the same guest, uh, Joey Cobra, who uh, we had on last July, it was funny cause I hit him up and I really meant to have him on again sooner. You know, he's one of the, he's like Zach and Kyle where it's like, you know, yes, he is a guest. And I mean, including with Joey, cause like with Zach and Kyle, you know, I don't really interview them. Like they come on and we all just kind of talk and bullshit and we're all kind of equal though. <laughs> you know, I don't know if we're all equal though. I have to give credit to, uh, to Kyle. And I think I said this on the dogs eating dogs episode earlier this month, but like he kind of started steering the ship of the show at times where I probably should. Like I realize it's my show and I, I should be like the host who's like steering the conversation and like moving along when we start getting repetitive or like, you know, just start talking about dumb shit that, that, uh, you know, has nothing to do with what we're talking about. But I am, uh, I am extremely guilty when, uh, I get on with those two. 
it's very easy to just go down some weird ass roads and just continue visiting them. And uh, and you know, Kyle a couple times stepped in in a good way. I don't I don't mean this like in like oh that motherfucker overstepped his boundaries. No, he stepped in and like continued the flow of the show, and and I I really appreciate that. But uh, I I love the dynamic of uh, me Zach and Kyle. That's why uh, I always have them back on. But uh, with Joey, uh, we just did the, we just did a uh, another one, and uh, he's another a guy you know because he's here in Jamestown. Uh, I would love to get in studio more, you know, because obviously when I when I do even with Zach and Kyle, everything's uh, you know over the phone, and uh, to be able to get in studio one on one is uh, absolutely great, including WRFA, which actually I'm recording this one at uh, home today, just uh, a little bit easier. Decide not decide to be lazy and not go down to the studio. Actually, that's not true. I have to go down there to work on stuff later, but I thought I'd just record this one at uh, at home, but. Uh, you know, I love those studios down at WRFA. It's always a uh, a great hang, and it always has been. I love like like I love radio stations and just hanging out in them. Like it's always it's always such a treat when there's uh when there's like other DJs or you know just just whoever's around to just come and talk and stuff. Like my uh my buddy used to go by Alexander the Great used to do Saturday Night Fire on a WRFA and did all like old school hip hop. And uh, it was really, really cool show. He did that, you know, Power Court Hours Friday nights. He did that Saturday night in the same time slot. So we we're like, you know, we we're like the nighttime weekend guys there. And uh, just, I mean, going in and just like bullshitting, like, you know what I mean? Like doing our shows, like there'd be times he'd just like sit in while I record the Power Court Hour and then vice versa. And like, and then sometimes we just jump into, like, I'd have him just like jump on and be like, hey, like, you know, like, like, what's up, man? Like here, here's a quick segment. And uh, there's just something so fun about that and just fun hanging out in the studio and stuff. So, you know, anytime I can get an interview in there, uh, I love it, you know, and it is hard. It's like, I mean, I know with COVID, everyone's kind of doing the phone interview thing, but it's like, I kind of do that anyways, just because of uh, location, you know, Jamestown is not particularly a, uh, even, even without COVID, this is not like a huge touring area and stuff. You know, we, we don't have a whole lot of uh, punk bands in the area and uh, everything. So Joey, Joey is also a breath of fresh air because he loves pop punk. He plays pop punk and he, he plays music too, that I would like, even if he didn't live in town, you know what I mean? Like I'd be playing him whether or not he lived in Jamestown, but the fact that he lives here and can come into the WRFA studios and uh, just hang out is absolutely fun. And uh, you know, I mean, it was, it was an interview, but it was also just a hang, you know, like, like last time it was kind of a mix of both as well. But it was like, you know, we had him in. He, he's not really releasing anything at the moment, but he's working on stuff. But, uh, you know, he's released stuff since he was on last July. So, you know, we got into, like, that. And uh, he's also an artist. So, like, like I was really interested. Like, we got into, uh, and I won't talk about too much. You'll hear this uh, next week. We'll uh, be airing my interview with Joey Cobra. And if you want, if you haven't heard that yet, uh, I don't know what number episode, but it's from July of last year. We had him on and uh, talking about his EP that he just released and his old band Wake as well. Really great pop punk band from here in Jamestown, New York. And uh, I kicked myself because I didn't hear about them until after they broke up. And forever, it's like like we have a great music scene in Jamestown, but it's not geared towards like punk or pop punk. Like not really a lot of the music that I play on this show. Basically, like we have a lot of like jam bands, a lot of I'd say like acoustic singer songwriter. And uh, I don't know so much now, but I mean, this it may be outdated. I'd say maybe even like ten years ago, at least. Though a lot of like metalcore bands and stuff, and that may still be the case. 
But, uh, you know, nothing wrong with it. Like, we have a strong music scene. It's just not a lot of the stuff that, you know, like I play here on the show. So, uh, yeah, like, like to hear about Wake and discover them. And so I was, like, kicking myself. I'm like, man, like, they were playing shows around here. I could have went and saw them. But, uh, you know, Joey Joey is still making – he was a front man in Wake and uh, making great music now. But uh, he's also an artist, too. And, I mean, like, we were talking about, like – being able to paint on iPads and like digital art and stuff. And it's like, that was very intriguing. Like I know nothing about art. So, you know, we kind of went down that and uh, you know, down the music path and uh, just talking about tons of stuff. Uh, Fat records came up like it did last time. I I think we probably talked tons about fat records and uh, you know, just had a lot of fun, but uh, yeah, I wish I could do more like, like in studio interviews, including once COVID's over, but you know, it's just tough where I'm at. But uh, maybe I can convince some artists. You know, we, we definitely have some uh, friends of the show from up in Buffalo who we play quite a bit. And, uh, you know, maybe I can do some convincing and get them uh, down in the studio. That's about like a 90-minute drive. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I would drive 90 minutes to do the power chord hour. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I have to uh, ponder that in my head for a moment and really think if I would. But uh, yeah, I had a great time talking to him. That was uh, that was earlier this week. I talked to him Wednesday. I'm recording this Sunday evening. Come out uh, Monday. Come out in probably like six, seven hours after I record this. But uh, yeah, I talked to him Wednesday, and uh, just like last time, just such a blast. We're like, you know, I really I didn't have to prep too much with it either because it's it's like I just knew we could talk like last time, and we would just go. You know what I mean? Like we're people who just the two of us can just sit down and talk and it will go somewhere, you know what I mean? And I knew it would happen. So like, I really, you know, I prepped enough where I'm like, all right, I want to ask him a few things. You know, I want to make sure we talk about his music and, you know, like, like get, get his music and stuff out there, you know, get that information out to everybody. But it's like outside of that, it was a lot of just like, let's just sit back in the studio and it's easier too. I don't, it's harder to do that. I think on a phone, you know, just doing like a phone call. I mean, as as much as you try to, but uh, doing it in studio is so much easier because you're just both sitting there. Like you're both just kind of sitting there, hanging out, looking at each other. You can tell, you know, because that becomes hard too. like talking over each other and shit when you're on the phone. Obviously, you can't see each other's like faces where it's like when you're in studio, you know, you can see if someone's like, you know, like kind of starting to open their mouth or kind of move a certain way. Or, you know, and you can also tell like, you know, are we going on too long about this subject? Should we move on here? So, yeah, just just great. I, uh, I'm excited to release that. That'll be out next uh Next week, that'll be our first episode of uh, of uh, April. But uh, anyways, March, though, has been great here. And uh, speaking of guests, I mean, I've I've had such a great time. I mean, if you've missed any episodes from this month, like I said, it's really it's really us getting back into it fully. And, uh, I mean, kicking it off with uh, Luke Bentham of The Dirty Nil. Doing that interview was amazing. I mean, uh, The Dirty Nil's Fuck Art is my favorite record of the year so far. And, I mean, we're going into month four so, uh, you know, so far nothing has, uh, has taken that spot from them. And there's been some good music released, but, uh, nothing, nothing to touch that. I will say though, so far this year, and really we are, and I, I've said it a hundred times, but like now's where we start to get more music, like, like March into April. And I would say more into April. Cause honestly, like there was new music released this month, but I feel like there was uh, not not as much as, as normal. You know, it was like a normal month. I don't feel like I have as big of a list as I do other months. But uh, what I do notice, a lot of there there is a lot of good music that's come out this year. But I notice a lot of it is like singles and EPs. Like the Dirty Nil has the best full length, and there really hasn't been much to touch that yet. You know, 
And, uh, I mean, hopefully there is because it's a good sign if there's competition. That means there's good music coming out. And uh, I'm sure there'll be a lot of good stuff coming out. That's another thing me and Joey talked about was uh, kind of anticipated albums and things coming out later this year, was, which excited me because I kind of wanted to do that anyways on the show sometime soon, and I just haven't gotten around to it. So the fact that, like, he showed up and was ready and, like, had albums that he was, like, anticipating for the year was uh, was really fucking cool. So that'll be out uh, next week. But, yeah, talking to Luke was just awesome. I mean, I love that record. And to be able to just sit here and bullshit with the guy who wrote it, you know, for an hour and just ask whatever questions I have, you know, as a fan, you know, obviously I want it to be uh, entertaining and, and be a conversation that people want to listen to. But it's like I also just as a fan have questions, you know, like before I ever knew I was going to, you know, interview him just listening to the record tons and tons uh just thinking of different things going wow you know like i wonder how they got that sound or i wonder what kind of guitar he was playing on that i'm very i'm very curious about those things i mean you probably you probably realize that if you listen to uh interviews on here i know i i know sometimes i get into uh like gear and different shit like that and it's not even that i'm a i'm a pro at any of that i have very like base knowledge but I know enough where I'm I'm very intrigued by that stuff like I really I do think of things like that when I listen to recordings like I am someone who I go like that sounds like a stingray like that bass sounds punchy like is that a stingray and then I start you know like listening to just weird different things I remember when we had uh Stephen Bradley on uh you know Steve Kravick who uh has produced you know Less Than Jake and MXPX and Pepper and Seven Seconds and uh just tons and tons of great bands but he produced uh, Slowly Going the Way of the Buffalo and Life in General, MXPX. And I remember asking him, because like, I, I just know from listening to those records, like I could tell, or at least I thought on, on Slowly Going the Way of the Buffalo, that Mike Herrera is playing a P bass, which Mike Herrera is known for playing a Stingray. Like He's a big reason I started playing a Stingray. And uh, funny enough, actually, uh, two are really like... Well, two big artists, like, two, uh, number one, I like I like the tone of the Stingray anyway, but the reason I realized how much I loved it was uh, Roger from Less Than Jake and uh, Mike from MXPX. I mean, those are, those to me are like the two big Stingray players in punk rock. And I was going to kind of throw Mark Hoppus in there, because back in the day he did play a Stingray, and I liked his uh, tone back on, like, Dude Ranch and Enema of the State. But uh, funny enough, I mean, Steve has worked with all three of those guys, you know, who are all, who are all like the biggest reasons why I play a stingray besides it just sounding so damn good. But, uh, I remember asking him, and, and I am being right, but like one of those things where like just listening slowly going the way of Buffalo, I go, Mike's playing a P bass. It doesn't sound like his stingray. And it's like, I had to ask. Cause like, that's, that's just where my mind goes when I listen to music. Like I, I start listening to those things and I go, that sounds like it's coming out of that kind of amp or it's that kind of, you know, bass or, and I, I'm a little more that way with than uh, with guitars, because I I know I think I know more about like bass tones and stuff. I can kind of I can I can hear that I think better than I can on a guitar. Um, I'm a little more general on on a guitar, I would say. But yeah, like you know, th- those are the questions that I kind of have in mind because it's like I'm thinking of that shit long before I'm interviewing someone. And uh, and thankfully, really, my guests this this month were both great for that because I mean, Luke is a I mean, if you go check out like the Dirty Nil, like their YouTube page and stuff, like. I mean, he does like playthroughs. He does he does some hilarious videos called Tone Tips, and uh, a bunch of different things. So, like he he is someone who cares about gear and like knows a lot about it. And like you know, I know like loves vintage stuff just like I do, like vintage guitars and amps, and you know, like tube amps and stuff are very important to him. You know, the the analog side of it all. So like 
I, I was, it's fun to talk to people like that. Cause you know, if they don't give a shit, then it's like, it's not going to be, you're going to ask them things. They may just be like, yeah, I just used this, you know, I, you, yeah, it was a like, you know, 1970 something P base, you know, like, like, and that's all you get. But it's like, if they're into that shit and talking about it, then I feel like it, it makes for a good uh, conversation. And yeah, Luke, I think Luke was all about that. He was, he indulged me. Uh, with those, you know, like, like letting me ask those questions about like just specific stuff, but, uh, he was great. And I mean, I, I loved, he, I, th- I felt like he was very candid too. You know, he's very open with shit where like, yes, this stressed me out. No, I was good with this, you know, like, like just different things. Like he didn't just lie and just go like, yeah, like everything's great. This was so easy to do. This is our greatest record ever. Like this and that, like, you know, I, I feel like he talked very openly about things and, uh, you know, not, not like anything was like, like it was the hardest record to ever record or anything like that, but he was like, nah, man, there was like stuff. There were times where I thought, what the fuck am I going to do for this? Or like, I still have to come up with a solo for this and that. And, you know, and, and so interesting too, to hear about, you know, recording it just as the world is shutting down, you know, it's, uh, it's crazy to think about, like they were recording that just as COVID was like closing everything. I, I remember that too. I haven't listened to it in a long time, but Joe Normal who uh, and just put out some uh, new music too. I'm going to play on the, not on here, but on the radio show uh, later this week. But uh, he was one of our first guests on the podcast. And I was talking to him like the day that Los Angeles was closing things down. And it, it has to be, I haven't listened to it, like I said, but to go back, just remembering what I remember from the conversation, I'm sure if I went back, it's like us kind of pontificating or whatever, like what's going to happen or how long is this? Because, you know, Joe Joe is a, Joe's definitely a working musician. Like he's one of those guys where like that was, that was his thing. You know what I mean? Like he was playing out in Los Angeles like weekly, you know, and he was doing it with his band, the any towners, but uh, also props to him though. He's been releasing tons of music through the pandemic. Uh, just even by himself, like doing covers, doing originals, being, uh, you know, he's being very active on that way. I think making the best of a situation, but I, I know he is a, uh, he is very much a, a, like a touring musician and, you know, plays out and stuff constantly, like, you know, on a weekly basis. So, you know, talking to someone like that as it was closing down, you know, was, uh, was crazy. And, you know, now we're, now we're here, but, uh, props to him for doing it and, you know, go check out, you know, while, while we're on the subject, go check out his, uh, new music. I, uh, I always enjoy it. His, uh, you know, kind of a, kind of a mixture between somewhere in between Bruce Springsteen and Paul Westerberg, you know, that, that, that somewhere in between, you know, and, uh, and I, I think it works. I always enjoy it. But yeah, Luke, Luke was awesome. I mean, if you have not listened to Fuck Art yet, go back and uh, listen to that. You know, listen to our interview too, but go listen to Fuck Art. Realize that it's the best album of the year and then go listen to the guy, you know, no no credit to me. I mean, the episode's great because he's great. You know, he wrote a great album and uh, a great interview too. He's, he's I, I knew too before, you know, because before I interviewed him, obviously I went back and, you know, I'll go check out uh, other interviews that people have done. And uh, he's always just... He has such a great personality and always like very charismatic and again like like open to talk about you know a lot of the shit that interests me so like I I kind of knew that uh you know I thought it at least I thought it would go well and it really did I I really enjoyed it he was easy to get along with because you do there's there's times where like if you look up like that's good and bad I feel like if you look up interviews before or like people you're gonna interview beforehand because if they're difficult then it's like that's gonna be in your head it's gonna start to fuck with you. And, uh, you know, but the other way is you go and watch some, and you realize how cool they are. Like, I remember looking at like CJ Ramon before I interviewed him, I started looking him up cause I'm like that. I mean, that was just so it's still my favorite interview I've ever done. And it's like at the time too, like 
the fourth or fifth interview I think I ever did. And, you know, I was pretty nervous. But going and looking up videos of him and interviews he did, you you could tell he's just a very, like, down-to-earth, nice guy who's very cool. And uh, and I think he's someone, too. I, I, was, I don't even remember who I was talking to recently. But, like, just talking about, too, how he handles the legacy of the Ramones so well. Like, I think he really realizes what that band means to people. And I think he handles that legacy in a really, really good way. Like, I, I think a lot of credit to him for, I mean, even the music releases, like he makes sure that if it's under the, and I think we talked about this too in the interview, but like if it's under the CJ Ramon name, if you're adding Ramon to that, to that album title, to your name, when you're touring and putting stuff out under it, there has to be a quality to it. And, uh, I think he hits that. I, I love the uh, last few solo records he's put out on uh, fat records. They're, uh, absolutely amazing, but you know, it, it can work that way. And, uh, there, I will say like, not that I thought he would be like an ass or anything, but I do remember like not even looking them up, but being a third eye blind fan when I, uh, interviewed Steven Jenkins, like, I mean, he's someone where you can either get a really good, I would, I would say he's almost like Paul Westerberg in the way where like, I don't know that Paul Westerberg's an asshole in interviews, but you just, he's not going to be the easiest interview and it can go it can either go uninteresting and because he's disinterested and you'll get short answers and it won't really be much of anything. And, you know, it's kind of, you know, there, there's just, he's not, he's not going to aid you through basically. Like there's some people who you could probably, you know, you could be very nervous and they may pick up on that or, you know, maybe you're just fumbling through or whatever, but they can, they can like, you know, kind of help you through if they see that. And, you know, you know, give you a little more of an answer or help direct, you know, the conversation away or kind of see where you're trying to go. But then there's guys like like that, you know, where sometimes I think you will get the one word answers or they'll just you know what I mean? Like they'll just kind of let you fumble there. And uh, and again, not even in an asshole way, like I don't I don't. And Stephen Stephen was uh, I thought him being nice. I mean, it was a short I mean, it was a very short interview. It was like five minutes. It's not like I got to talk to him for like an hour or anything like that. But, uh, you know, I just know he was one where I went in almost. Not even almost. I will. I will say with one hundred percent. I. I can't lie. I mean, I was definitely intimidated going in, but nothing that he did personally. You know what I mean? It's not like he answered the phone and said, like, you know, what the fuck do you want or anything like that. It was like nothing like that. It was on my own. You know what I mean? It was my preconceived notions. But again, it's like that. It's the good and it's the good and bad of that. Where if you know how someone is, you know, like, like I mean, it would be Paul Westerberg. Like he would be a dream to interview. But the thing with that is, is you would need, like, I feel like I would need like a month before I could, I could comfortably interview Paul Westerberg because I would need time to truly think out things, think about where the conversation could lead, uh, you know, kind of, kind of figure it out because he is someone who I think if you just jumped in and it wasn't, and again, if it was, if you weren't asking the right questions, if he wasn't personally interested, he's not going to feign interest. You know what I mean? He's not going to pretend that he's interested or, or do, you know, like something like that. And I think you also would have to balance things. Like if you sat there and talked too much about the past and replacements, I think he would get sick of that. You know what I mean? I don't think he would just want to do an interview on like the legacy of like, you know, like I definitely don't think he would ever, I don't know that any of those guys would ever do like an interview. I do like an album anniversary. Like I don't think any of them would ever sit there and actually, you know, like talk about a record like that. But like Paul's one where I'm like, yeah, I don't think he's someone you just jump in an interview. I feel like I feel, and maybe, maybe that's the wrong thing. Maybe I'm overthinking it, but I think he'd be one where I'm like, I got to think about what I'm going to say to this guy. It can't be last minute. You know, it, it really, 
It really can. And I kind of thought about those Stephen Jenkins. Like, even though I knew it was only like, you know, they had like five minutes. You know what I mean? It was, it was very short. He was doing a bunch of interviews. So it's like, just real quick, get him. And then he's gone to the next one. But, uh, you know, even though I knew it was short, I only had like a day. I had like a day before I was going to interview him. And I remember that kind of being like, all right, you got to kind of think of the questions. Cause it's like, and I, I tried thinking of like an interesting way to start, you know, like a good, a good starting question shit. Cause again, he's like one where I just feel like he would have not been, you know, he would have given you the one word answer. He would have, he would have kind of like shot you down and stuff. You know, he wouldn't have uh, entertained a question if he, if it wasn't something he wanted to talk about. But, uh, you know, he ended up being cool. Again, it was very short, but uh, I remember him giving me a great answer about the music industry that uh, was actually, for a five-minute interview, I think his his answer was like two minutes for that one. So it was like half the interview, but it, it was very insightful, and it, it, I, I still think about uh, his answer to that like four years later now. I, I Actually, I think almost to uh, the day, I think it was it was like March or April of 2017 I interviewed him, uh, I, th- I think like a month after C.J. Ramone actually. But, uh, yeah, you know, just one of those things where, yeah, it's good and bad kind of knowing who you're going to interview uh, beforehand. But another one, you know, as talking about guests who I've had on this month and another one, huge, huge honor to have on. If you couldn't tell if you didn't listen to last week's episode, I mean, I, I think I made it pretty obvious that I was pretty stoked to talk to him. But uh, Gordon Raphael, who uh, produced The Strokes, I mean, the modern AGP, their debut record, Is This It? Their follow up Room on Fire. He produced like three songs on first impressions of earth uh i know he did razor blade and i can't remember the other ones there's like two other ones he did i think later on they're like later tracks on the record like maybe like track like i don't know hypothetically track like eight and track 10 or something like that but uh you know basically had a hand in everything they did before they broke up the first time like the first three strokes record and their demo uh he he worked on his hand you know his hand is in there and why those records, I think, sound as great as they do and, you know, as neat as they do. I think there's even times on uh, their last record, uh, The New Abnormal, which I love, one of my favorite records of last year, but where, and they were working with Rick Rubin, who I thought had, who did a great job, and the record sounds great, but I even think there's parts in there where I feel like they were trying to do things that, uh, you know, off the first few records that were things that Gordon did. You know what I mean? Gordon produced them. He he had the ideas for how to, you know, make it sound the way it did. And I, I feel like, you know, once again, he did such a good job that even years later, you know, later producers like someone like uh, Rick Rubin, who, you know, not say he's like ripping him off or anything like that. You know, I mean, Rick Rubin is a goddamn, you know, legend. But, uh, you know, I still think kind of went back and borrowed some of the shit that Gordon was doing on the earlier records. It was a good, good thing because those are the best strokes. I mean, I, I would, I'm definitely one of those people. The first two strokes records are their best. I love the last one too. I think that's their third best is new abnormal. They really outdid themselves with that. But, uh, you know, and like speaking of anniversaries, like I was saying, like with the replacements, like I don't think any of those dudes would do like an anniversary interview. And I think the strokes are another one. I'm like, I was really happy that Gordon was down to do it. Cause I thought he would be the best one to talk to. Cause I just feel like like, and like, who knows? I really don't think I have the poll on here to get like, you know, I don't think Julian Casablancas would uh, return my emails, but like, you know, I don't think any of those dudes, and it would be great to interview them, but it's like, I don't think any of them would be into getting into that shit. Like, I can't imagine them being into being like, what kind of mics did you use? What kind of guitars did you use? Like really getting into that stuff. I don't think they're really ones to like, you know, be nostalgic or look back, you know, on something like that and celebrate 20 years where Gordon was fucking awesome. Like he was so into it. He was up, you know, like 
all my weird specific questions he was down to answer you know he was he was very like very positive about it wasn't like you know can we fucking talk about something else like very very cool like so much fun and he was a sweetheart even before we did the uh, interview he was such a nice dude like just just even talking to him to to set it up he was just so fucking cool and so fucking easy to get along with and again like that that I love before doing an interview cuz I go he was so laid back and so fun to talk to, even just even just like messaging each other before that it's like, oh, he's gonna be easy to get along with. Like he's gonna be easy to talk to. And uh and it was. I mean, I could have talked to him for hours and hours. I mean, and again, I mean, we we only really I mean, I asked him just kind of last minute as I was like closing up closing up the interview about Room on Fire just for a quick second, uh, just about like comparing uh recording that to Is This It? But like, you know, we in like the almost nine, I, I talked to him for like, I think like an hour and 20, uh, it was probably cut down a little once I uh, edited some stuff down, but like, you know, I talked to him for almost 90 minutes and, uh, was just so, so cool about talking about like any, anything I wanted. And in, but in that time, you know, I mean, we basically spent it on the modern AGP and is this it, you know, cause those both turned 20 this year. But I mean, again, we could have talked for hours. I mean, we could have gotten just to get into Room on Fire and then to get into producing three songs on First Impressions of Earth, why he only produced three songs, getting into all those things. Like, I mean, it could have been hours and hours. And, uh, you know, he, but he was so nice with his time. And it's like, eventually I have to cut it off because it's like, he wasn't like rushing me. He wasn't like, Hey man, I got to go. But it's like, after a while, you got to kind of be like, oh, okay, he's probably sick of like, you know, talking about the stroke, you know what I mean? Like at some point you probably have a threshold, but, uh, you know, and we didn't just talk about the strokes we got into, I mean, cause that's the thing too. It's like, we would be doing a disservice to him if all we did was talk about the strokes. Now, obviously that was the main subject cause those albums turned 20, but you know, he's done so many other things. He's produced so many other bands. He's written his own music and uh, a bunch of great stuff. We, we played a few or not a few. I think I played one of Gordon's songs at the end of last week's episode, uh, but on the radio show, I played more cause we, we had, uh, you know, we had, we had like an extra 30 minutes after the interview for stuff. So I had him pick some, uh, songs. It was really fun. We did that with Luke though, too, uh, with the radio show, I guess, I guess to kind of, uh, entice you. I mean, yes, we, you know, if you heard the interview on here, it's the same interview, but, uh, the last two, there is kind of a fun added component to the radio show because, you know, on here, podcasts are very weird about music. So it's like like on YouTube. Like if you ever listen to this on YouTube, I know it sucks, but I cut the music out almost always because before I even get it up, almost everything gets flagged. Like even like small, like and from people who are interviewing, like this is a person who's on talking about this record, but I get flagged right away because I played songs off that album. So like I just say fuck it and take them out of there. And as far as the podcast anywhere else goes, like I'll play the songs, but I, I don't go overboard. Like, you know, we'll throw a couple songs on and that's it. And also I'm like, it's a podcast. Like we do the radio show. Like I play two hours of music every week. Like, so I keep it for that. I don't, I don't feel a need to play music on here too much. You know what I mean? Like I actually, I will say there's some podcasts I listen to that, and some of them started off more like a free form podcast, like long form interviews and stuff. And became more segmented like a radio show. And I'm just like, dude, I do a, I do an actual radio show. Like, I don't need this to be, this should be something else, I feel like. This should be more free. I don't, you know, I mean, I, I play music, obviously, on here. I'll play a few more songs uh, or play a couple songs later on because, you know, we're, we're highlighting new music of the month. But, like, on the radio show, and I'll, I'll shut up now. It's very, this is a very long-winded answer. 
or, or whatever you want to call it, comment. But uh, yeah, with, with Gordon, what we did was I had him pick, like he sent me a list of songs of bands that he's produced and worked with and his own music as well. And uh, I, I put a bunch of those on on the radio show after. And he picked the Stroke songs. I mean, you heard those. He picked those on the podcast too. But on the radio show, we got to play some of his music and a bunch of other bands that he, like Kill Canada was one and Satellites who we talked about. I mean, Regina Spector, another, I mean, she's she's huge. She's, you know, he's, the Strokes aren't, aren't the only really big one he's worked with too. I mean, Regina Spector is another one who is uh, pretty damn big. But, uh. Yeah, we played some song and that he picked, you know, he picked the songs and sent them to me and uh, was really cool. So he basically picked the playlist for the radio show last week as well, which was uh, really, really cool. But yeah, you know, we talked about all that because, again, it's like, you know, Strokes, huge part of his career. I mean, even he, even he said that it's like, you know, it opened so many doors for him. But it's like, you know, he's he was a musician long before the Strokes, was re- you know, he recorded other bands before them. He, you know, he's recorded so many after and, uh, you know, doing his own thing. So I wanted to get into all that. And such an interesting guy, too. I mean, I could have talked to him more just about traveling. Like, I love that he, you know, after the success of the Strokes, moved to, uh, you know, I can't remember now, though. He moved he moved a couple different places. He's in England now, but I think he moved a couple places before moving to England. But, I mean, moving all these different places after uh, the Strokes got big and just really, I think, enjoying life. And, and even, like, you know, now, he, now he's just at home remotely, uh, producing bands and stuff, but like, you know, he's traveled all over the world to produce bands as well. Like, I think that's so cool. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't just sit in his one studio and bands come to him, like all over the world, you know, very, he's led a very interesting and cool life, you know? So like, I loved it. Like, I mean, it was cool. Cause yes, we got to talk about the strokes and he was up for, you know, you know, getting nostalgic and talking about it. I, you know, which I thought was awesome. Cause again, I don't think the dudes in the strokes would be as open to do like a 90 minute interview about, you know, is this it in the modern AGP? But uh, yeah, Gordon, Gordon was so fucking cool. I mean, that was, that was a huge honor too. I, you, I mean, I, I talked about it last year. I mean, I, I love the uh, last strokes record and, uh, and I love the first, the first two are the gold standard. Those are their best records. Is this it? Is their best record, I would say. And, uh, I mean, I'm definitely, this is not a hot take. Most people say that. And, uh, you know, a big part of it is Gordon. I mean, listen to the production on it. That was really like when I first got into the strokes and I was finally like, oh, I like this band. I, one of the things that pulled me in, I started listening to production. I'm like, I love this. Like, I'm like, this is so it's different, like, it's original, and then I started thinking about, too, like, how big, and we kind of got into that, but, like, how big the Strokes got when it's, like, again, you didn't hear things like that, you know what I mean? Bands really weren't produced that way, records didn't sound that way, that's why some people got in, some people didn't, but, uh, you know, I, I think, I think it worked really well, too, because here's the other thing, how many indie bands have ripped off the way that Gordon made those albums sound, like, that 100% like, and that's why that record, even though it's 20 years old, it's funny because 20 years ago, it sounded outdated to people. You know what I mean? The way, the way that Gordon recorded it and it wasn't super flashy and it was a live rock band, but look at, it could be, it could have been released this year. I mean, is this, it could have been released 2021. Like it had such a big impact on how bands sound and production and recording and all that in like indie rock that like, how many bands like just sound like that now? You know, that, that album could have came out any time in like the last decade and like would have fit in like it like at any time just because the impact it had. So, I mean, absolute honor talking to, uh, you know, the person who recorded and produced those and uh, did such a damn good job. So, yeah, I mean, if you missed uh, either of those interviews this month, I had such a good time talking to Gordon Raphael. 
you know, producer, the Strokes producer talking, is this it? And the Myron AGP for their 20th anniversary. And uh, Luke Bentham of the Dirty Nil talking fuck art. Both a great record from this year and a great record from 20 years ago, you know, was, uh, was really fun. And, uh, and now, and now going in the future next week with, uh, Joey Cobra talking about, uh, his, his music that he's, that he's working on right now. And, uh, and I can't, I can't forget, I mean, another great, uh, another really fun time this, this, uh, month was doing the dogs eating dogs EP episode with Zach and Kyle, uh, you know, and, and people seem to enjoy them. Cause like they're. They're like, you know, I try to get them on here a lot because it's like, like I know, I know they're on a lot, but it's like I always enjoy those episodes and I always get good feedback. So I always, I always have them back because I'm like, sometimes I worry because I'm because they're so fun and they are so free flowing that there, there has been times where I'm like, I wonder if people actually enjoy this because it's like we're just bullshitting, you know what I mean? Like, like yes, we have a topic, but it's like it also divulges because it's just three friends talking on the phone. Like we do them on Saturday nights normally, and it's like. We're all just kind of decompressing from the day, you know, they're hanging out wherever in their houses or, you know, wherever they're doing it. I'm just kind of hanging out in the WRFace studios or, you know, sometimes when I'm recording at home and we're just like, and we talk like, so, like those things already go, go so long. And then it's like, we're talking afterwards too. Like, it's not like we hang up the phone at the end of the episode, you know, like I just cut it. Cause it's like, okay, that's, you know, that's it for that. But it's like the three of us just sit on, you know, the conference call for like another hour and uh, talk. I mean, I think I was on the phone with them till like 1 a.m. Uh, after doing that dogs eating dogs EP episode. But uh, that one, that one was really fun, you know. And it, and it's hard too because I've done those, I've done more of those album analysis ones with with uh, Kyle, just because we again we go so long that doing a 10, 12, 10 to twelve track album with three of us would take so goddamn long. You know, and I already have to split them up in two parts, which I don't like to do. But if I, you know, if we do like a four hour episode, it has, you know, it just has to be, we have to cut it in a half and I, and I throw them up as two parters, but it's like, that would, that would take so long. So I was happy that we got to do an EP. So the three of us could do, you know, like go do like an album analysis, talk about our views on the, you know, each song and everything. And, uh, yeah, just had a blast with them. You know, I, I always do that, uh, are the time honestly i i never thought it i shouldn't say i never thought it would be but uh our top five blink 182 songs episode is one of the most downloaded episodes i don't know why i don't know if it's for good reasons i don't know if it's for bad reasons i don't really give a shit i'm just happy uh people are listening to it and seem to enjoy it but uh yeah, people people like when the Illinois bad boys get on here and talk blink with me or just pop punk in general it seems like. So uh, you know, we'll we'll keep that going. We got to we got to think of something else. That's another one. I got to say like again, like props to Kyle. He's like the greatest guy to have on here cuz like not only can he help like steer it, but it's like he's had some really good ideas for the show. He's almost he's like almost a, a unofficial producer at times. Like he has great topics we'll bring. Like, you know, we we've we've done episodes where he was the one who, who brought the idea to the table and I'm like, that's a great idea. Like, let's do it. So uh yeah, I, I loved I loved talking dogs eating dogs with Zach and Kyle, and I tried to hold back on the yellow wolf jokes, and uh I, I feel like I did a good job. You'll have to ask uh Zach and Kyle what they think. Go go find them. You can find them like on Twitter and shit. They're they're on there. I we I retweet them and stuff on the Power Court Hour page. Uh, you'll you'll definitely find them on there. I've I've at mentioned them, 
But uh, you'll have to ask them what they think. I don't know that Kyle agrees, but I feel like I controlled myself with the Yellow Wolf uh, jokes and references. But, uh, you know, maybe maybe I'm totally wrong. So, uh, yeah, I, I'd love to know. Uh, listen to that episode and then email me and let me know if you think I talked about Yellow too much or, or if there's just no possible way of talking about Yellow Wolf too much, you know. But uh, And it also, the other thing I love doing about those album uh, episodes too is it makes me go back and listen to things. And it's like the Dogs Eating Dogs EP, I really liked when it came out, but I hadn't listened to in a while. And, uh, you know, I started listening to it to, like, you know, write notes and and think about the album more before doing the episode and uh, just really remembered how damn good it was. Like, really reminded me. I'm like, oh, my God, this thing has aged amazing. Like, Neighborhoods, I don't think has aged as well. Like, I like Neighborhoods a lot more when it came out. Ten years later, I, I mean, there's still good songs, but I'd say I like about half the record. Where Dogs Eating Dogs, I'm like, this is pretty damn good. There's only one song on there, and I won't say it because I, I talk about it on the episodes. You can go you can go listen to that if you want to know what one it is. But uh, there's really only one song on there, and I don't hate it. But I'm like, if it wasn't on there, I wouldn't, I wouldn't cry. I wouldn't be sad. Whereas the rest of them, I'm like, that's... Those are some really good songs. Those are those are some really strong songs. And uh, I mean, if you if you took like four out of the five songs off Dogs Eating Dogs, and then like five or six songs off Neighborhoods, and put them together, that is a that is a solid fucking record. But uh, yeah, that was fun to talk about. I love talking about that stuff with them. I just love talking about pop punk in general. And uh, and Blink One Eighty Two. You know, as as much as I don't love the uh, you know the newer stuff, the Matt Skiba era, though I do love Skiba. You know, they're still one of my favorite bands. I mean, they're, they're still up there. The replacements are my all-time favorite. And, uh, I mean, Blink-182 are basically right there. I mean, the Tom era. I mean, as far as Tom era goes, if I can have two favorite bands, Tom era, Blink-182, and the replacements are my uh, my two all-time favorites. Plus, I mean, to be fair to Blink, the replacements are broken up. They can't, you know, I love all their records and, you know, they can't fuck it up because they're not releasing new music. I mean, maybe if the replacements were... Though I don't know that I believe that. Cause, though I don't I don't know. that That's a tough one. I, I've talked about that too on here. Like, if the replacements put out another record. I mean, obviously, th- of course I'm going to listen to it. But uh, if it would be good or not, I don't know. That'd be interesting. I know, I know uh, they were working on one for a while there when they reunited for a minute. But they said it wasn't... It just wasn't really what they wanted it to be. And again, I kind of respect... You know, not kind of. I do respect that to be like... Hey, this this probably isn't going to be good, so let's not release it. But uh, yeah, so I mean, you know, as far as Blink goes, looking, I mean, you know, if the replacements got back together and Matt Skiba took over for Paul Westerberg, uh, you know, I mean, I I may I may also be be critical of uh of that. You know, I also don't know how that would be, and uh, I mean, including since Paul wrote most of the songs, I I don't know. That'd be that'd be very interesting. I guess it would end up being just. Matt Skiba backed by uh by Tommy and Chris. Yeah, I, I don't know how that would, I don't know how that would work in that uh, alternate universe. Maybe we'll I'll have to save that for an, for another episode. We'll go we'll go down that that road of like like in somewhere in the twilight zone where uh Matt Skiba takes Paul's place in replacements. But uh but yeah, anyway, we're going to move on. I I know I'm just uh I I loved I loved the episodes we did this month. So I was very excited about that. We're going to go back and check out those episodes. But uh, some new music to check out from this month. Uh, like I said, not not a huge list, but I would I would say a decent one here. Devin K and the Solutions. I feel like I bring them up every month. They keep releasing new music, and uh, it's always really really good. They just put out another single, Parchment and Petroleum. So go check that out. 
Justin Courtney Pierre of uh, Motion City Soundtrack just put out an Anthropologist on Mars. That is his uh, brand new EP and uh, really good. I loved I loved his first solo album he put out like three years ago now. Crazy to think. But In The Drink, which uh, if you're a Motion City Soundtrack fan, you never listen to that album. Go back and check it out. Really, really good. I would say still one of my favorite albums, 2018. It's uh, It doesn't straight up sound like Motion City Soundtrack, but I feel like it it has like the best parts of Motion City in it. And uh, same with this new one, a lot of energy on it. And uh, also shout out uh, past guest, Bill McShane played guitar on it, which was very cool. It, it, Justin had a great, uh, he had Bill McShane play guitar on the new record. Uh, Brian Diaz from uh, Edna's Goldfish. And uh, I know he's been like a guitar tech or bass tech for like Fallout Boy and tons of others. I know Fallout Boy because I remember he uh, was the tech when I saw Fallout Boy. I remember him up there uh, tuning Pete's bass. But uh, a bunch of other things. Edna's Goldfish, great man from the 90s, great ska band. And uh, who else? Oh, and uh, oh my God, I'm, I'm uh, blanking on his name. From uh, Mr. Brett, uh, Brett Guritz from uh, Bad Religion and uh, Epitaph. He play, He produced it, and I think he maybe he just did production. Oh, no, Tony Thaxton. from. Uh, I'm a dumbass. Tony Thaxton from uh, Motion City played drums. So he has Tony on there, which Tony, oh my, I mean, he's really like, one of the most underrated pop punk drummers like and, and I don't know if he would want to be called a pop punk drummer but I whatever you want to call him just a drummer in the scene like one of the most underrated like including on those early motion city records like you listen to the tempos that they're playing at and you're listening to, like the fills and the shit he's doing like insane drummer like so so good and uh, the energy on here like like I said really good and some you know some of those some of my favorite elements of motion city cuz I think they're best when they're kind of high energy power pop pop punk you know like like whatever you want to call it I don't know if those dudes love being called pop punk but uh you you know what I mean by listening to them you you know you know their sound but uh this EP if you're a fan definitely go check it out because uh another another home run from him and yeah I mean if you missed in the drink go check that out too I I love that album uh, I still I still play a lot of a lot of songs off that record on the radio show. That one that one has definitely stayed in a rotation the last three years. Uh, Bruce Lee band, uh, Mike Park, his band uh, put out a, a single first one in quite a long time. Division in the Heartland, go check that one out. Tiger's Jaw put out a new record. We're gonna play something off that here in a minute. Uh, I won't care how you remember me. I really like that that uh, album title. And I gotta say, like I've seen Tiger's Jaw live a few times because they're opening uh from other bands and stuff so i've seen them live a few times they're you know they're like they're they're fine they're always good live i enjoy them but i've never been like huge on them they've i've, I've known i've known them for years but just never was that into them and uh this new record is amazing i love it they they definitely got me they finally got me into them like like where i'm really like i gotta go back and check out the other records they're just one of those bands like they were never bad but they were like you know, and again, I I don't want to I don't want to talk about it too much because you'll hear it next week. But I kind of talked about this with the men, with Joey uh, about the Menzingers, where like the Menzingers for a long time for me, at least for a few years when I when I discovered them, were just okay. I was like these songs I hear are fine, but I'm not like yeah, like I'm not clan I'm not running out to buy their records and stuff. And then I just heard the right songs and it all clicked. And I think that's the thing with Tiger's Jaw now. I'm like. I never disliked them, but the, I never heard anything that made me go, I got to go listen to more. And uh, this new record did it for me. I, uh, I absolutely love it. So we'll play something here in a minute off that. Uh, D Cracks put out Serious Issues. Hanelli put out Black Snow. 
uh, Radical Radical, which uh, will play this single, Adam Lobrock from uh, Homegrown, which I absolutely love. He has not done much music in quite a while, and it's awesome to see him back doing it. Uh, his new side project, or not side project, his new project, Radical Radical, put out their first single, Misfit Toys. And uh, go go check them out. He's all over uh, Instagram with that and uh, YouTube and stuff. And he's also, here's the other thing, he's doing uh, some acoustic covers. Not even really covers, but he's doing homegrown songs acoustic on his YouTube page. That man's voice has not changed. He can sing so good. It isn't. He sounds just like he did, like on Kings of Pop, and he's covering like those. Not again, not really covering. Those were his. Those are his songs, but uh, he's doing those songs, and it's like his voice still sounds the same. Like, and and you got to think now. That's almost twenty years later. Kings of Pop came out like oh two oh three, and uh, he's still hitting. He's still hitting those notes. Sound great. And uh, Radical Radical is really good. I'm gonna play. I'm going to play this on here. I might have to see if he uh, is down to come on here. I know he's been doing the podcast and radio show circuit lately, talking about Radical Radical, and uh, I would absolutely love to have him on. I I love Homegrown. I love this new song. And uh, I also shout out to him the other day on our Instagram page. uh, I I posted. I've been posting lately, just getting nostalgic or missing, missing live shows I've been putting up. I finally have a reason. All those shitty, like, you know, know, videos you take on your phone at shows, like – they're, they're finally coming in handy because now we can't go to shows. I'll post them on uh, on Instagram, at least the halfway decent ones. I mean, if, if they sound like total shit, I won't post them. But if the, if the sound quality is at least halfway decent and you can tell what the song is and everything, I'll uh, I'll throw them up there. But uh, I, I, did, I did just put one up of the starting line the last time I saw him at Four Chord Music Fest in Pittsburgh in uh, 2017. And uh, he he commented on on that on the Power Chord Hour page. Adam Adam did from uh, Radical Radical and Homegrown, and just said how great uh, Kenny's funny. Funny enough, I'm talking about how great his vocals have uh, came with age, like how his vocals still sound great and you know are so strong. And he left a uh, comment on on that starting line video about how Kenny still sounded so good, like all these years later, like voices still sounds like fire. Which uh, which was very cool. It was an honor, and also, I mean, as a huge drive-through fan, to have Adam Lobrock of Homegrown commenting on your uh, video about Kenny Vasoli of the Starting Line is, uh, I mean, that's as pop punk as it gets, and uh, just really, really badass. So that that, that just made me smile. It, it's the little, it's the little things that uh, you know, the the that get you. Moving on with the new music, Adult Magic put out their Leftovers EP. Safety put out Greetings from the Sunshine State, guided by voices with, I mean, album 1000. I, I don't know. I mean, there, there's really no one no one writes more songs than Robert Pollard. And, uh, I mean, another one who is just basically a living, a living God. I mean, really, like, no one before him or after him I think will ever, like, be as a prolific songwriter as uh, that man. But a new one from them, Trust Them Now. New one from the Warriors with the Old Friends EP and a Sincere Engineer, which I am always stoked for new music. And another one, just like with uh, Devin K releasing a lot of singles lately, we got another single from Sincere Engineer with uh, Out of Reach, which uh, absolutely amazing. I know they are going to be putting out a full length sometime later this year, and uh, I'm I'm so excited for that. Rombithian, I mean, it's insane. That's been out now, I think, almost four years. Yeah, almost four years. Came out like fall of 2017. And uh, to finally to get the follow up, I'm stoked. But these last uh, these last few ones that they've put out, trust me and tourniquet, 
and uh, now out of reach. These have all been really, really good. So uh, it's so damn good. We're going to open the uh, the little block of music now with it right here. So here's Sincere Engineer with their new single, Out of Reach, right here on the March Rundown of the Power Chord Hour podcast.
here on your March rundown of the Power Chord Hour podcast. That was Tiger's Jaw with Heaven Apart off their new record, I Won't Care How You Remember Me. Before that was Radical Radical with their debut single, Misfit Toys. And opening up that block of music with Sincere Engineer with their latest single, Out of Reach. I love all those. Go support all those bands. I'll uh, put links to their band camps in, uh, in, the, in the description or whatever the hell. And, uh, and actually, you know what? Uh, Bandcamp Friday, if you're listening to this week that this comes out on the 29th, don't forget uh, April, I think that'd be April 2nd, this Friday is Bandcamp Friday. So if you like what you just heard, I'll, uh, I'll put those on there. I think Sincere Engineer and Tiger's Jaw are on Bandcamp. I'll have to look. I know both of them are actually on Hopeless Records, so I don't know I'll, I'll have to if that makes a difference. I don't know if Hopeless... Uh, bands are on Bandcamp or not. Maybe they are. I, I don't know. I'll have to look. I just know not all labels are. Radical Radical, I'm pretty sure is. I, I'll tell you what. If you don't see the links in the description of this episode, that means that uh, they weren't on Bandcamp, and I'm too fucking lazy to go back and cut this part out. So that's what that means if it's not down there. But anyway, if it's not, go grab that music somewhere else because uh, Tiger's Jar just put out an amazing record. And uh, go support Adam. This is the first, uh, you know, this is this is him getting back into music after such a long time. So very cool. And I mean, Sincere Engineer, one of the best newer bands. You know, I mean, been been doing it now for like four years. And uh, Deanna and everyone else in that band is uh, just always so so damn good. Uh, yeah, I absolutely love her songwriting and uh, great great voice. So before we close up here for our March rundown, we got a few uh, little music news announcement things. And uh, ska punk legends, the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, have announced the release of their 11th record. It is coming out May 7th, very, very soon. And the new record is titled When God Was Great. And it's going to be released on Tim Armstrong's Hellcat Records. I believe this is, this might be their first release on Hellcat. I may be wrong. If it's not, it's only like their second. Because I know just like an album or two ago, they released a bunch of albums on like Side One Dummy. So uh, I, this may be their first. If it's not, it's like only their uh, second. But uh, not only is Tim putting it out on Hellcat, but uh, Tim Armstrong is also co-producing the record along with longtime Boss Tones collaborator Ted Hutt. And the uh, band has released a music video for the song, I Don't Believe in Anything. So that is on their YouTube page. Go uh, check that out and you get a little taste of uh, what it's going to sound like. I'm excited. I'm not like the Boss Tones aren't like my number one band. But uh, I always, I mean, anything they put out is always good. And they're they're one of those bands who, again, they don't put out music all, you know, they're not a band who, like, puts something out every every year, every two years. But uh, I feel like they always put something out that uh, fans tend to like. So that's exciting. I'll, I'll definitely check that out. I know I've talked about it a bunch on here, though, too. It's like Ska is in a great place, again, um, for the first time in a long time. But, I mean, the last few years, uh, huge I think you got to really give credit, too, to some of the newer bands like The Interrupters. I mean, The Interrupters were a big one, I think, and really, because She's Kerosene was really getting some radio airplay, and they were, they were really picking up some traction, and you were, like, hearing Ska on the radio again. And there's a bunch of others, too, but, I mean, they're the big one that uh, comes to mind. I mean, even even bands who maybe aren't even on The Interrupters level, you know, in, like, terms of getting, like, mainstream radio play, but, like, Bite Me Bambi, who uh, I've been playing on the radio show lately, amazing new Ska band. Uh, I mean, we are the union aren't like, those are ones that you gotta give credit. They were doing it like when no one else was doing ska, you know what I mean? Like there were, you know, besides the one, you know, you have your real big fish and less than Jake and Goldfingers and bands that have, you know, continued on. But I mean, as far as new ska bands forming, I mean, they're, they're ones, just like I say, survey says 
who is uh who is now uh uh, keep flying. <laughs> I was blinking there for a second, but uh, they're now keep flying and they're still great. But uh, you know, like when they were doing survey says, I mean, an amazing ska band at a time where no one was doing ska, you know? So, I mean, shout out to them. But yeah, the last few years though, we've been getting from both uh, older ska bands are putting out great stuff. I know Goldfinger's put out some pretty good stuff lately. And uh, you know, less than Jake put out a great new record last year. A lot of the, a lot of the older ska bands are putting out some good stuff. But the best thing is seeing all these new ones pop up, and it's actually really, really good. Like it even it even gets me interested in ska again. It gets me uh, kind of more interested than I probably was there for a while. So I'm pretty stoked. Uh, a cool little thing going on in uh, April here: a memorial celebration for Walter Luer is going to be uh, streamed on April 22nd from the Bowery Electric in New York City. And uh, April 22nd is going to be what would have been Walter's 72nd birthday. He did pass away last year in August, I believe. So it's almost been a year since his passing. And uh, the celebration is going to be is going to have tons of live performances. The lineup, I mean, there's probably 20 people on the lineup. So I, I without even just going through all of them, you can you can find the poster online. And I, I know I've posted it, uh, I think, on our Instagram. And uh, if I haven't, I know I've put it on our stories. If it's not on our regular, I'll throw it in there too soon. But uh, some of the big ones, Clem Burke of Blondie, uh, Glenn Matlock of the Sex Pistols, Legs McNeil, Ivan Julian from Richard Hell and the Voidoids, Jesse Malin, uh, former bandmate Mick Rossi, who was uh, playing with him up until his passing in the LAMF band, and uh, many, many more. There's going to be tons. Now, it is going to be streamed on April 22nd, and it's actually going to be uh, recorded there at the Bowery, like April 19th, I believe. And there are limited tickets, actually. There are They are going to let limited amount of people uh, go to that. So if you are interested, you can go to the actual show. Um, I don't know how many people. I know it's pretty limited. And, uh, you know, all, all the, you know, I'm sure uh, all the precautions and everything. But uh, yeah, if you're if you're interested in that, I believe April nineteenth. Uh, if you're in the New York City area, you can go see it recorded. But uh, if not, like the rest of us, you can wait for April twenty second. It will uh, be out, and they're going to be performing uh, Walter's songs throughout his entire career: songs from the Waldos, Johnny Thunders, and the Heartbreakers, the Blessed, the Hurricanes, and the Heroes. And uh, you can grab your tickets on RollingLiveStudios.com and TheBoweryElectric.com. And uh, it, it also is going to go to a good cause because a portion of the proceeds are going to go towards uh, or go to St. Jude's Children's Hospital, uh, Children's Research Hospital. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool they're doing that. It's insane to think it's been almost a year. You know, I mean, it, it's the same. I know I know. Uh, I did a little uh, thing the, the week that he passed we uh, played. I remember we had actually, speaking of Bill McShane earlier, I remember we had Bill McShane on talking about uh, the new Ultimate Fake Book record from last year, The Preserving Machine, amazing, amazing record. But uh, we, we his episode aired the same week that Walter died. So uh, I remember on the radio show we played a huge chunk of uh, just stuff from all over, you know, all throughout Walter's career. And uh, I was kind of sad I couldn't do it with, uh, you know, I, I love the New York Dolls as well. And uh, Sylvan Sylvan passed away, kind of, uh, I think around the time we're on break, so I never, I never really got to do that for him because he was another. I would have, I played tons of uh, New York Dolls, you know, the the week that happened. Because that was another one I was really bummed at, um, you know, because those are just like those are the last guys. Like, I mean, as far as New York Dolls goes, David Johansson's now the last one. As far as the Heartbreakers, all of them are gone. Uh, I mean, technically, Richard Richard Hell 
was uh, was in there uh, in the very, very beginning. So, I mean, he's still alive. But the LAMF, the lineup, you know, the heartbreakers, the actual, you know, the, 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 the lineup people think of, they're all gone. You know, so uh, it's always sad when those guys, you know, because because they're, you know, there weren't many left. And, uh, you know, just very sad. And I forgot too. you know, that it, it's funny. It was 70. So he passed away at 71. And I mean, like, like fairly, I mean, really like that. That's somewhat young. You know what I mean? Like, it seems like, you know, when you think about it, somewhat young. But as far as being a heartbreaker, I mean, you know, he, he definitely outlived the uh, the rest of them. I know Billy Billy Rath. Uh, he passed away, I think, in his 60s. I think he may have been, like, in his 60s when he passed. But he passed, I think, I think he passed almost, like, maybe, like, 2013, 2014. It, it's been a while. But, uh, yeah, it, it's cool they're doing this. It's cool that those uh, proceeds are going to a, a good cause. And I, I think I'm going to have to check that out. I, I've said it. I don't check out every live stream. Like, like I get it. You have to do it. Um, you know, I mean, it, it, and I, I don't think it's going anywhere, and I don't think it should. But... I really have to be into something to watch them. Uh, you know, I like I love quarantunes and uh, I watch I watch that like any chance I can because I always like that. It's almost like a variety show in that sense. But there's a live stream I'll definitely check out. A lot of great, a lot of great bands, and I would love to hear uh, a lot of those guys play that stuff, including including uh, Ivan Julian, amazing, amazing guitar player who uh, you know I don't feel like you hear enough. And uh, was really, I mean, listen to stuff he's playing in the Voidoids. I would love to uh, hear him take on some uh, Walter songs, whether it be the Heartbreakers, the Waldos, or any of his other uh, bands. So I'm excited for that. And uh, one more little piece of news here. Uh, not even news. I just thought this was kind of cool. And uh, more than anything, because it, it almost sounds like I'm promoting this for Tom DeLong. But really, I just think if you're a Blink fan, it's kind of neat. Like, even if you don't want to buy the stuff, I just had a kick looking at it. But uh, to make some space for new gear for Angels and Airwaves, Tom DeLong has just set up a brand new reverb page and uh, to sell some gear from both Blink-182 and Ava. And uh, reverb, I mean, they've, they've been doing that a bunch. Not only is it a great, it's a great website to uh, buy instruments from and shit, just uh, used gear. But uh, I, I know, I always enjoy these. That's why I, that's why I wrote this one down to talk about because artists are doing this more, I notice, on Reverb where they put up a page and just put up all their old shit and uh, is, is kind of cool. And uh, Tom's posted over 100 items so far, including Blink touring amps like Mesa Traxxas and a Marshall JMP, or actually a bunch of those, I think, the JMP ones. He put up more than one. And uh, tons of other items Tom has used over the years. Uh, I saw some synths on there, some road cases. Uh, I kind of wish I could have grabbed one that uh, said Blink-182 on it. That would have been kind of cool. Guitar pedals and more. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, if you want to check that out, it's on Reverb. You can go buy a piece of Pop Punk History. But uh, also, you can just check out the items that have been sold, too, which I think, again, which is why I brought this up, you know, not not because uh, I think Tom DeLonge needs you to go buy his stuff. I I don't know that he needs the money for it, but, uh, you know, just, just more of the, it's kind of cool to go through his shit. I know he's, uh, he's posted them before in the past. The thing is his first time on reverb, but I know throughout the years he's, uh, sold gear and like, as again, I mean, I was talking about earlier about the shit that I, I ask some of our guests, like I'm just, I'm a gear nerd when it comes to that. I love to know what people are using and what they used on stuff. So I like going through and seeing this. Uh, I know, a good chunk of it sold, but you can still go buy a bunch of more. It looks like a lot of the stuff that's left now on there are like uh, rack effects and like studio, like uh, some more studio stuff than live gear. It seems like a lot of his live gear uh, sold the fastest. But again, it was really, it was really cool. And I got to say, I think we talked about this on the dogs eating dogs episode. 
See, that's where it gets weird because I know I talked about that with Zach and Kyle, but the mics might have been off. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't remember. But uh, it was it was the same way with Joey Cobra. When I interviewed him a couple weeks ago, I had to go back and listen to our first episode because me and him did kind of the same thing. Like, we talked for like an hour and a half before the mics were on, and we talked like another hour and a half after the mics were off. So it's like I couldn't remember what we actually talked about or not on the episode because I didn't want to repeat myself. And, uh, yeah, I can't remember if we uh, got into it or not, but I thought it was going to be really, like, expensive. You know what I mean? Like, you were going to pay a huge markup because it was Tom DeLong. But honestly, it's pretty affordable in my opinion. Like he, the stuff on there is like actually in a like like in a price range where you could just buy it to use it. You know what I mean? Like it's it's shit that you could pay to use and just kind of be like, oh cool, like Tom Long used to own this. You know, like Tom used this. So you know, I always get a kick out of those on those reverb pages. And it is you you kind of got to look through because I feel like sometimes you'll get really neat things where it's like. This was the amp that I used on, like, you know, this legendary album and stuff. And then you get other things where it's like it was owned by them. Like, you know, I mean, maybe it was never even used by them, but it was owned by them. You know, you, you kind of start getting in, in degrees of that. But uh, I always enjoy looking at those reverb pages. And, I mean, if you're a Blink fan and, you know, a fan of the shit we talk about on here, I feel like uh, I feel like it may be worth a, a gander at the uh, shit Tom has posted. I love seeing that stuff. Plus, I mean, I, I love... I love including like Enema of the State has the greatest pop punk tone of any pop punk record. Like, like if I'm if I'm talking about like my dream tone, really, like as far as as far as like just a pop punk is concerned, just a distorted kind of sound like that. I mean, I I would say Enema of the State for sure. So uh, he's one of those ones where I love seeing the gear he's had through the years and uh, how he's gotten some of those tones. And uh, Jerry Finn was also, I think, a big part of that because he seemed to really get how to not just blink. I mean, just Jerry Finn was so amazing with the tones and shit that he would get for like all bands. And I'm like, I definitely think he had a play in uh, kind of helping steer Tom in the right direction. But uh, yeah, kind of neat. But uh, that is our that is our little music news, our little our little things from the month. And that is our March rundown. I'm uh, very excited. Yeah, check back next week for uh, my interview with Joey Cobra. And uh, stay connected with the show. We're online at Power Chord Hour on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're uh, on Spotify. I put up playlists from the radio show there every week. If you miss the radio show or can't tune in, uh, you can go look at you can or not look at. You can listen to everything that I play on the radio show on there. You just won't get to hear my sweet, sweet voice in between songs. Uh, and the radio show, though, as well, if you want to check that out, every Friday night on 107.9 WRFA in Jamestown, New York. We've been doing it now for five years. Insane to think. But uh, that is every Friday night, 10 Eastern to midnight. And if you're not in Jamestown, you can listen at uh, WRFALP.com. If you're ever bored, go listen to You stream the station on there. So you can listen. You'll, you listen to it live while I'm on air. But uh, you can just stream the station. And there's tons of great shit on there. So, uh, I mean, just check out WRFA as a whole. Because, I mean, I can't thank them enough for giving me a uh, place to do the show for five years now. So, uh, yeah, I mean, shout out, shout out to them. And, uh, and also letting us use those studios. So yeah, Joey Cobra, that'll be next week. And uh, for both, they'll be on the radio show, play a bunch of stuff with him after, kind of like I did with uh, Gordon and Luke this month where uh, I kind of let them pick the playlist for the radio show. Kind of going to do the same thing with Joey. And uh, and also that, big thank you for the month to uh, to Luke Bentham, to Gordon Raphael, and to, my, uh, to the Illinois bad boys, Zach and Kyle, thanking uh, all of them for... Uh, really being the reason all of uh, why all this month's episodes I thought were really good and really fun and uh, much better than this one I'm doing by myself here right now. But uh, yeah, 
Hit us up on there online. Also, powercordhour at gmail.com. Hit me up uh, if you got anything. You know, also, I mean, if, uh, you know, if any of our listeners are like, you know, I mean, if you own a business or some shit, or you have <laughs> being being very professional, if you own a business or some shit, uh, you know, we are always looking for sponsors. I normally don't, uh, I always forget to, to like say that on here, but I mean, if you ever have interest in, uh, sponsoring the show, you know, uh, hit me up. We always have, uh, you know, sporadically I'll get sponsors and stuff, but I, I've never, uh, we really don't have like long, you know, I've never really like been in talks with doing like a long-term sponsorship or anything with someone. But you know, if you have something to promote or something, uh, you know, hit me up at powercordhour@gmail.com. at gmail.com. I would love to get more sponsors for the show. And uh, also hit me up on there if you just want some uh, free stickers. I'm uh, giving those out. They're they're the most popular promo item we've ever done. People love free stickers. So if you're one of those people, hit me up for those. Subscribe and rate the show. If you you rate us on iTunes, go give us a review and uh, screenshot it to me. I do have some Power Court Hour t-shirts. Very, I I have like, I think one or two left. So uh, yeah. So hit me up for those, powercordhour at gmail.com. If you rate and review and send me a screenshot, you don't just get, the stickers are free. The other ones, you got to rate and review uh, in order to do that. But uh, yeah, so for the Power Court Hour, until next week, I'm Anthony Merchant. Thank you so much for listening.